I do want to share a new message with you today. If you'll stand with me all over the house for the reading of the Word, we're just going to read two verses of Scripture out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. Um, We'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible Translation, and then we'll pray. Uh, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. The Word said, Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look. I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I, the Lord, will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning a message I've just simply titled, Positioned for Progress. If you will, bow your heads with me and pray one more time. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for your awesomeness in this place. God, I believe you have a word to speak to us today, so I pray that you would, first of all, move me out of the way. God, that your word will not be spoken through my words, but God, I'll I'll be out of the way, my flesh will be out of the way, that your spirit may speak through me today. God, let me speak the truth in love, and God, let every ear hear and every heart receive what you would say to us today. God, I believe that you are positioning us for the progress, the progression of the kingdom of God here on this earth that you have placed us here to advance. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through this word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated all over the house this morning. Thank you, Elizabeth. Didn't Elizabeth and this team do a good job this morning? Give them a hand. Appreciate them so much, and we are blessed to have uh, people that just feel whatever needs that we have. So we're we're thankful for that this morning. I want to read the scripture again, just very quickly. He said, "Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I'm about to do something new. Even now, it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert." The word remember means to bring to mind or to think of again, to be thought of or to retain in the mind. He says, do not remember past events. But those are three things that it means. But here's the one that I think the Holy Spirit is warning against in this particular passage of Scripture. And here is is that definition. To commemorate... Or make a memorial. In other words, to enshrine something or someone as so important or so big and so grand that you can't move past it. Because you worship what you have enshrined. The Holy Spirit also poses this question in verse 19. He says, do you not see it? I'm about to do something new. He says, I'm about about to do something better, something greater, something grander, more magnificent than you have ever seen or than you have ever experienced before. But you can miss it if you are still worshiping that enshrined memory of the past. When he says, do not remember... He is saying, do not let enshrined memories of the past keep you 
from moving forward. I believe that we should be thankful for the wonderful memories, but we should not be a prisoner of the past, whether it be good or bad. What are you talking about, Pastor? Sometimes people can be held prisoner of a bad past. I have dealt with people and counseled people that after they began a walk with Christ, they, they struggle continuously with this unworthy feeling because even though they may not be living the way they used to live or even though they may not be participating in what they used to participate in or running with the crowd they used to run with, they cannot, they struggle to get past this feeling of unworthiness because they are still enslaved or prisoners of their bad past. We cannot afford to be a prisoner of the past, be it good or bad. See, sometimes you can be held prisoner of that bad past, but sometimes if we allow ourselves, we can also be held prisoner to a good past without even realizing it. Some people are so consumed with what God used to do that they think that He isn't doing anything today. Let me say that again. We can become so consumed by a memory or something that happened or something that God used to do that we begin to allow ourselves to think that He isn't doing anything today. But it is time for a new thing. Say new thing. God said, I am about to do something new. So as I began just yesterday, because this word really just began to stir in me early yesterday morning, as I prayerfully evaluate where we are as a church, it is evident to me that God has done some amazing things in our past. We celebrated those things last week. A good number of people have accepted Christ or have rededicated their life to Him. Many have followed Him in water baptism and several have been filled with the Holy Spirit through the ministry of this church. However, as I said last week, I am not satisfied just to celebrate the past. Somebody say amen. I have a stirring in my spirit about our future. Our future as a church, but also our individual futures. How many knows that God is concerned about you? Say amen. Our future as a church, but our individual futures. God has a unique plan for each of our lives and He has a purpose for each of us individually. And He has a unique way of uh, that each of those plans come together for His purpose through this thing called the church. Has the enemy fought us? You better believe that he has. Have there been battles? Some of us have scars to prove those battles. Some of us, some of you are facing battles right now. Will he ever leave us alone? Well, I hope you already know that answer because I don't want to be the one to let you down. But I want to tell you this morning, the enemy will fight and he will buffet, and he will discourage, and he will continue to try his best to get us off course until Jesus comes. Don't say amen because amen means let it be so. Hallelujah. But it's, so you can say that's true. He will continue to do that until Jesus comes. So I don't pretend 
as the pastor this morning to know everything that God has in store for us as a body or as individuals. But I do understand that He has poised us for kingdom progress. This is our purpose for being here. To build the kingdom. To build His kingdom. Say His kingdom. Not my kingdom. Not your kingdom. But our position for being here is to build His kingdom. But before we get from where we are to our next level of kingdom advancement, we must first go through this thing called transition. Say transition. The word transition implies movement. Let me be even more specific. Transition speaks of movement, progress, or a forward motion. Transition is always about leaving one place to go to another place. You see, Elisha couldn't get to Bethel without first leaving Gilgal. And the same is true about Jericho. He couldn't get to Jericho without leaving Bethel. And as a church, we have gone through some transitions already thus far. We have transitioned locations, physical locations, a couple of times. And just this past year and a half, we outgrew being able to accommodate the numbers in one service and we transitioned into the service format we have now so that the building that we're in could accommodate the number of people who want to worship here on Sundays. We have undergone this thing called transition. Transition means leaving some things behind. Transition is something that requires participation. Transition cannot happen by accident. It is intentional. Transition is a choice to cooperate and move with the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, somebody that visited here a few weeks ago, one of the things that they said was, it's so refreshing to attend a church that allows the Holy Spirit to move in the services. Transition is a choice to cooperate and to move with the Holy Spirit. How many knows His plans are better than ours? Transition has three main components. Transition means to let go of the old. Here's, here's a big one. To trust. And number three, take hold of the new. But why is transition so hard most of the time first of all it's because as people human beings are resistant to change nod your head we're all resistant to change myself included secondly because most of the time the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us exactly where we're going or exactly what he's doing. Keep in mind, I'm also not just talking about the church. I'm talking about individually, our purpose for our life. He just witnesses to our spirit that certain things in our environment are changing. The atmosphere is changing. They sing a song, the atmosphere is changing now. The spirit of the Lord is here. God repositions things. He realigns things he sets things in order and sometimes he will rearrange what is familiar 
so that it's not familiar anymore. Because sometimes when things get too familiar, we become, as I preached a few weeks ago, too comfortable, too casual, and too complacent when things are too familiar. So then we must decide when it gets uncomfortable and unfamiliar if we really want everything God has prepared for us or are we going to settle for the comfortable and the familiar. You see, that was Elijah's role in Elisha's transition, if you've read the story. Elijah was actually playing the devil's advocate. He was speaking as the adversary would speak to try to discourage Elisha from receiving God's best unless he had the determination within him to pursue it with all that he had. Did you catch that? He was challenging him that if you want this, let's read the story. If you want this, you're going to have to go for it yourself. The story in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1-12, through 12, here's what it said. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, he didn't tell Elisha, he's sending you too. He said, you just stay right here, God's sending me somewhere. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. In other words, he said, I don't want to hear it. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here. We've already moved now from Gilgal, or or to Gilgal. Now he's saying, please stay here. He said, For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they, say they, they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Always somebody drawing near to him and saying, Don't you know that today the Lord's going to take away your master from over you? Is that not the way the enemy works on us all the time? Every time we get somewhere that God is taking us, every time there begins to be a kingdom progression, or in our lives individually, or in the lives of the church, every time that there begins to be a progression, the enemy comes and he whispers in our ear, don't you know that this is about to happen? Don't you see this is going on? So the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, yeah, I know. Keep quiet. We do we do some good to learn how to answer our adversary if we just tell him, keep quiet. In the, as the old saying goes, and it may not be nice, shut your mouth. If we would tell the enemy that from time to time, it would cut down a lot on what he's whispering in our ears. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I see that situation, but keep quiet. And I'm just going to throw this out there. Sometimes it would be good for us to tell ourselves... Yeah, I know, but keep quiet. Hmm. The sons of the prophets who were, no, the next verse, verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here. Here we go again. Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. 
Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and he rolled it up and he struck the water and the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me, say if, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, the chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha, what? Saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. And then the last part of that verse is of non importance of what I'm talking about. But then he took of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. So, of course, the entire time, Elijah wanted Elisha to receive his mantle. He wanted him to. It was not his intention for him not to receive it. But he had, if you read the story and all of the background, Elijah had invested over 10 years of his life into Elisha. But he knew that in order for Elisha to receive what God had for Elisha, he had to want it bad enough for himself to be willing to go through the transition. Did you hear me? He had to want it bad enough for himself. He said time after time after time after time, as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Can I tell you this morning that if you're ever going to push through the mud, the muck, and the mire in your life to get to what God has for you, you will have to make up your own mind that as the Lord lives and as I live, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to walk away, and I'm not going to leave the Lord. Is anybody awake this morning? You'll have to determine by your own determination that I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. He knew that Elisha had to want it bad enough for himself to transition. He had to want it enough to let go and leave the comfortable and the familiar. Did you catch that? Every time the Lord led Elijah to a new place, here was Elisha having to get uncomfortable and unfamiliar yet again, only to hear somebody whisper in his ear, you're about to lose what you're following after. Did you hear me? He had to want it enough to let go and leave the comfortable and the familiar to go to the unseen, to go to the unknown. Transition is a difficult place many times because it is an in-between place. It's a squeezing place. It's the place where you move beyond where you were, 
where you were adjusted, where you knew what to expect, where you had a pretty good handle on everything, and now you don't have a handle on anything. It's the place where your faith is tested. It's the place where sometimes you are tempted to grumble and to complain and to start looking back to the old familiar comfortable zone, comfort zone. But sometimes it's also the place where you realize you're either going to have a breakthrough or a breakdown. Anybody ever been there? Either going to have a breakthrough or a, break, a breakdown. But it's a necessary place because it's the proving ground. It's the place where you prove to God by your actions and by your attitude that you are more interested in following Him than in being comfortable. I think one of the most exciting and the inspiring things to learn from the story of Elijah and Elisha was this. Elisha went beyond his mentor. You read about the works of Elijah and man, what a powerful man of God. But Elisha pushed for even more. Elisha had developed his own appetite. Elisha didn't want just what he saw in Elijah. He wanted double. Which means he not only wanted what he had seen and had experienced with Elijah, but he wanted more. He wanted what he had never seen and what he had never experienced before. And I believe that Elijah, as Elisha's mentor, knew something about what God had in store for Elisha. He perceived it. He was preparing him for it. But I believe that Elisha's request kind of surprised Elijah. Because in reality, it's what every mentor and every spiritual father wants for their spiritual sons and daughters. But it's very rare that somebody comes along that says, I want everything you've experienced and more. I want double. But that's the way that it should be. I want what God has for me through you. But then I want what God has for me on my own. Because when I get ready to go and it's time for me to pass this mantle, Elisha knew it won't be Elijah's mantle that I'm passing on. At that point, it will be mine. Can I tell you this morning, it is not what somebody else in your life has done for the kingdom of God. It is what have you done. For the kingdom of God. We all have a responsibility. And a mantle is available to all of us. If we will receive it. And if we will carry it. And if we will pass it down. But I'm talking today about being positioned for progress. And I'm talking about that because one of the most important ways to position ourselves for progress. Is to know what to expect. And that is to know what transition looks like and what it feels like. The Holy Spirit is giving us a sense of what to expect in the transition. Positioning ourselves for progress begins by deciding, first of all, if there's more for me than I want it. If there's something better than we want it. If there's a better way, we want to learn it. And if there's a greater anointing, we want to receive it. Say amen, somebody. Positioning for progress means to anticipate. 
to anticipate the new, the different, the greater, the unknown, but also the uncomfortable. Anticipate means to give advance thought, discussion, or treatment to. To foresee and deal with in advance and to look forward to as certain and to expect. Now let me give you an illustration. Now, when you go camping, and I'm talking about camping, not glamping. Angie and I have a camper, and it is a glamper. I'm not talking about that. It has all the modern conveniences of home inside that metal box on wheels. I'm talking about when you really go camping, tent camping. How many has ever been tent camping? Let me see your hands. When you really go tent camping, you leave your microwave. Ladies, you leave your curling iron and your hair dryer. Come on. And you anticipate the uncomfortable and the inconvenient. You anticipate that something may even happen out of the ordinary. And that's part of the excitement of camping. That's the thought of seeing and experiencing new and different things. Things beyond your scope of control. Being able to simplify, boy that's a term we could learn from in today's society. Being able to simplify and learning how to use what resources you do have available and maximizing their potential. This is part of the transition. Because you know that when camping, true camping, is over, there's going to be a hot shower, a comfortable bed, an air-conditioned room, a stove and an oven, a microwave, and all the other modern conveniences that we often take for granted waiting on you when you get home. Can I tell you that transition is facing the future fearlessly, knowing that this is a God journey, and the one who has brought you to this place where you are is the same one who is leading the way to the unknown. But, listen, when you get to where he is taking you, there's going to be some good stuff waiting on you when you get there. Can I hear an amen? If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. And I believe that this is the reason that God would lead the children of Israel through the wilderness by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God's part was to lead the way by a pillar of a cloud or a pillar of fire. But their part was to stay ready for the transition. To stay ready for the movement. In other words, they were to live every minute with an attitude of readiness to move when the cloud moved. Or to move when the fire moved. Exodus 13, 21 and 22. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. Exodus 40, 36-38 The Israelites set out whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle throughout all the stages of their journey. Can I tell you your journey? 
has stages. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and there was a fire inside the cloud by night, visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages of their journey. This was put in the scripture to illustrate to us that we are to never get stuck even if and when it was God that leads you to the place you are even when you know that what you are experiencing is a God thing you have to stay ready say ready for transition there has to be a sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit that cloud and that fire are not in our natural physical uh, visible arena anymore now that cloud and that pillar a fire is in you. And the Holy Spirit leads us from the inside. But it is just as real and it is just as valid and more so now than how he led the children of Israel. You see, Moses didn't know the way through the wilderness either. He was depending on the cloud and the fire to lead him. Moses' greatest responsibility at that time was, is the same as my responsibility. And that's to keep the people stirred up. To keep them in a spirit of anticipation. To keep them focused that when the Lord moves, we're going to move. To keep them in an attitude of transition and to keep them positioned for progress. To keep them looking forward. Do you know why your windshield is this big? And your rearview mirror is this big? Because where you are going is much more important than where you have been. Say amen, somebody. To keep them leaning forward, to keep them pressing forward, to keep anticipating the future, and to not let them settle down. That spoke to my spirit this week. To remind them that this is not it. This is not all there is. Yes, God has done some wonderful things in your life. And yes, God has done some wonderful things in this church as a body and as a whole. But this is not all there is, folks. We have not seen anything yet. This is just the tip of the iceberg and a sample of what God wants to do in your life as they come to the music this morning. I don't believe that this word today is limited just to us or just to our church. I believe that this is a word to the true body of Christ. The ones who have separated themselves from the confusion and the corruption that is in our world and in our society today. There is a shift taking place I believe and something very powerful is about to happen and God is sending this word to you to position you for your own progress every single one of us should be making a progression in our relationship with Christ in our devotion to Him, in our daily walk with Him, and in what we are doing 
to build the kingdom. Every one of us should be making a progression. See, the church as a body doesn't move forward until the individuals as individuals move forward. But when each individual is moving forward, the church becomes a vigilant, mighty army making kingdom progression in this world. I cannot stress enough that we need to stay focused on what our mission is. Do you know that 90% of Christians do not realize their own individual purpose for being in this earth. We get so caught up and there's nothing wrong with nice things. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. But when we get so caught up and so consumed that we really forget that that person that we just came into contact with, we might be the only Bible they ever read. That server that didn't do such a hot job at the restaurant, we might be the key factor in what determines whether or not they ever enter a church for worship. We forget that the people that we come into contact with, I think we forget sometimes that the church is about people. It's about God loving people. We get caught up in the church, and this church is, is not bad for this, and I thank God for it, but some places we get caught up in if they don't look the part, if they don't act the part, if they don't dress the part, then this is not the place for them. I thank God this church is not that way. We are loving and accepting. But if you study the life and the ministry of Jesus, He spent His life for people. And I was reminded, if you'll stand with me all over the house, I want to close with this. We're going to open the altar. I feel in my spirit that God is speaking something to us that's not something new. It's actually something that was preached to us exactly five years ago this Sunday, today. Exactly, not on this date, but this Sunday, five years ago. Mitchell Toll Sr. that pastors the Man of War Church in Lexington. He preached to us on our first anniversary. And I don't know if you remember his message or not. But his message was don't settle. Don't settle. Don't get comfortable and settle. I believe that God is shaking us up. And he is creating. See, as the pastor, I have some knowledge of some things you don't know anything about. But I know about some families that are going through some real shakeups right now. I know some folks that are facing some real medical, physical challenges right now. I know some folks in this body that are facing some real financial hardships right now. I know people that need a job. I know people that need God to move in this or that.
And sometimes I can get so consumed, because I'm going to be honest with you, for probably three or four years maybe, it just almost seemed like we were just riding around on cloud nine. And then some things began to happen. I don't want to give you a pity party, but and I love, don't, don't misunderstand this and anybody get hurt by it. Because I love everybody here. I love all of my staff. They're all wonderful. But I lost one of the biggest helps that I've ever had in this church. Unexpectedly. Last October, he stood right here on a Wednesday night and talked better than I have ever heard him teach. And then this past, with no knowledge anything was wrong, and then this past March, and I don't want to tear his family up because I know they're here and it's hard on them, but it's also hard on me. I look at that and then I look at some of these things that I see people going through. And it just seems like it's nonstop and it's everywhere. And I'm just being real with you this morning. And then I look at other situations and any way the devil can just creepy crawl his way in, how he knows that's what he does. And then I see him wreaking havoc with some people. And I really believe that God is creating some discomfort and some unfamiliarity in order that we get our focus on what it should be. In order that we get our eyes off of anything else besides Him and His leading. In order that we become willing once again. Because I'm just being real with you this morning and I know some of you weren't here and that's fine but you're part of who we are now. But I remember when we got started, it wasn't hard to get anybody to roll up their sleeves and work. But I believe God is trying to get us back into the place where we're willing again to roll up our sleeves and get down to business with God. The day is far spent. The night is at hand. We need to work while it's day. Because night is coming when no man can work. We need to be concerned about lost people. We need to be concerned about our lost family and our lost friend. If we can't come to this altar for any other reason, we need to kneel in this altar and say, God, move me with compassion for the lost. He is positioning us for kingdom progress. We just have to trust Him through the transition.